0: Welcome to a Cup for the Soul. I'm Sue. I'm Trish.
1: And we're so delighted that you're joining us. In these podcasts, Sue and I share our meanderings from the inside place of how we live mindfulness and how the practice informs our days. And we want to unpack it a little bit to make it accessible and available for you to have lived in your daily life too.
0: We will offer some practices that you can news as well as some beautiful poetry that really resonates with us we invite you to make a cuppa as you join us and hope that you enjoy a cuppa for the soul
1: So, welcome back. If it's safe and comfortable for you to maybe close your eyes to receive the words of some more beautiful poetry, powerful words, do so. And if not, see if you can just gently let your focus be on the words, let them come gently into you while you attend to whatever it is you're doing. The invitation is to receive these words by Judith Hill in a poem called wage peace you may find it helpful or supportive to let the words waft in and out with your breathing wage peace with your breath breathe in firemen and rubble breathe out whole buildings and flocks of red-winged blackbirds Breathe in terrorists. Breathe out sleeping children and freshly mown fields. Breathe in confusion and breathe out maple trees. Breathe in the fallen and breathe out lifelong friendships intact. Wage peace with your listening, hearing sirens, pray loud. Remember that your tools, flower seeds, clothespins, clean rivers, make soup. Play music. Memorize the words for thank you in three languages. Learn to lit Try that one again. Learn to knit and make a hat think of chaos as dancing raspberries imagine grief as the outbreath of beauty are the gesture of fish swim for the other side wage peace never has the world seemed so fresh and precious have a cup of tea and rejoice Act as if armistice is already arrived. Celebrate today. Wage peace with your breath. Breathe in firemen and rubble. Breathe out whole buildings and flocks of red-winged blackbirds. Breathe in terrorists. And breathe out sleeping children and freshly mown fields. Breathe in confusion. Breathe out maple trees. Breathe in the fallen. And breathe out the lifelong friendships intact. Wage peace with your listening, hearing sirens, pray loud. Remember your tools, flower seeds, clothespins, Clean rivers. Make soup. Play music. Memorize the words for thank you in three languages. Learn to knit and make a hat. Think of chaos as dancing raspberries. Imagine grief as the outbreath of beauty or the gesture of fish. Swim to the other side. Wage peace. Never has the world seemed so fresh and precious. Have a cup of tea and rejoice. Act as if armistice has already arrived. Celebrate today.
0: Thank you, Trish. What a lovely poem the words of just breathing in buildings that have fallen and crumbled and then breathing out whole buildings the idea of changing something with your breath breathing in terrorists and breathing out sleeping children like how hard and how easy actually in some ways it can be for us to to change our perspective to see something one way and, and actually, when we change how we see it in our minds and in our hearts, it becomes something totally different. We can look at the same situation from two vantage points, can't we? We can look at it from the side of indignity and righteousness and I'm right, you're wrong. Or we can look at it from another perspective, which is so much more peaceful and at ease And the same behavior could have happened. A person may have done the same thing. And we can look at it in different ways. You might see it one way, I might see it another way. But if we always come to choosing peace, to choosing love as best we can, then we don't wage war. And how easy we get offended, how easy we find a reason to blame another for how we feel, how easy we find ourselves maybe caught as opposed to finding that that person actually meant no harm. They were mumbling, stumbling through their day as well. And to understand they're just human like you. They want to be happy just like you. And when we can actually understand another person and really understand them, we can no longer hate them. We can no longer wage war. We wage peace.
1: What, what what's rolling inside my belly and I'm hearing your lovely words so is when we can uh, listen with our witness space you know there's times I don't know if you've had this experience you look in the mirror and you catch yourself looking at yourself it's like you're watching yourself seeing yourself A bit like our poem from the previous one you know peeling peeling yourself off the mirror but that place where you can see yourself seeing yourself. And when, when we're not in super reactivity, we maybe catch some feelings that are rising up and instead of shooting from the hip, we might notice the reactivity in ourselves. And often it says more about us than about the other person. I remember when I was in college in the 80s, hating when we were When we were um studying some of Carl Rogers' work, interesting because I loved seeing him later in my life, and I saw him as if as a man teaching that you know what you most dislike about your, somebody else is maybe what you most dislike about yourself. I remember thinking that can't be true, and really not wanting that to be true because of course I didn't know how. Massive, my sack of self-criticism and self-loathing and judgment and condemnation was when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. I had a lovely veneer on top of that piece. But boy, was I quick to judge others. And, you know, my criticism would go on and on, which is never pleasant to be around, either for the speaker or the listener. Um. But I didn't know it was out of my own brokenness that those judgments were being made. And so part of what's softened for me in the space of being able to sit with myself on my cushion or walk slowly, if that's what I'm doing, and listen to myself is maybe just being able to wrap a kind arm around that part that's bruised and broken and find more joy and humour in it. And so I feel, you know, part of what's lovely when, when in the space when meditating or even taking in Judith Hill's words this morning, breathe in, whatever she's inviting us to. Breathe out, whatever she's inviting us to. And in the pause, in that space between the in-breath and the out breath we're fully alive, who is that person who's still here when there's no action happening? And that's part of what has grown in that witness space through, through the hours of sitting, watching, listening and practice.
0: Yeah, and as I, as I receive the words that you're saying, what comes up for me is that in the breath, in the the change of the breath, there is a a detoxification of the body, isn't there? So we breathe in (sighs) this wonderful nourishing uh, nourishing oxygen and then we breathe out carbon dioxide. So we, we let go, we detoxify the body, we detoxify the cells. And similarly, if we imagine breathing in, all that we see hurtful or difficult in the world and we breathe out rose petals and love, then let that be what you bring to the world today. The, the hurt, the pain, the sorrow and transform it, transform it in your breath, in your heart, in, in whatever way you can actually. I know for me, there's a practice Mm. I sometimes do when I'm well, I haven't done it recently now because I haven't been out in the city, but when I walk through Galway or um, or see people on the street, I'd often imagine taking on their pain and suffering, imagining they're just like me. They want to be happy. They want to be fulfilled. And whatever their suffering is, and sometimes imagining what their suffering is, and imagining just sending them love and it has been just one of these practices that i find so nourishing and even though i may never speak to the person uh, i feel instantly connected to them like they're another human being and they have challenges in their lives and whatever they are to wish them well to wish them love to wish them health and happiness and it's it's just a yeah it's a wonderful wonderful practice to do and i would recommend anyone to to try it in their in their encounters particularly with people you do not know or people that you know it's easy to love those that love you it's easy to love those people that are easy to love it's so much harder sometimes that is loving a person that maybe has slighted you but often it's loving those parts of ourselves that, where we've slighted ourselves. And there's a saying in compassion that 95% of, and I don't know if this statistic is necessarily true. What's that they say? 90% of statistics are made up on the spot. But 95% <laughs> of statistics, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> uh, 95% of compassion for other people starts with compassion for yourself that if you're harsh and judgmental of others, that is a direct reflection of how you are in your own inner world. So the piece that you said about Carl Rogers and that shadow psychology where we don't see the shadow that we have, isn't that it? We don't see the shadow that falls behind us about our own inadequacies or whatever it is. But we see them in the person over there that's really bothering me. And I don't like that person because they're abrupt and rude. But we haven't yet owned the fact that maybe there are times in our lives that we're abrupt and rude. And when we can actually come to see that spectrum in our own lives, that person stops frustrating us to the same extent. Or certainly I certainly find that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because you're not, you're not hitting off that button. Yeah. But it's also, it's also, you know, our Facebooked, airbrushed, sanitized world. Only the pretty and the good and the nice feelings and the good emotions and the good behaviors are acceptable. And the ugly and the shadowy and the lurky and the anger, you know, they're not, they're not so embraced. It's like we try to change them, we obviously it's not gorgeous to go through the world shouting and screaming at people. But if there's something inside that needs to shout and scream, it needs a voice somewhere, whether it's journaling or acknowledging when that energy is rising and going for a good fast paced walk, the the need to hold that um, and include those, you know, it's like, even if you take the different chakras in the body, the idea that, you know, the higher form comes from the waist up and the lower more rooted energies from the waist down. It's like, we can, we can cut off, we can cut off these things unconsciously in ourselves. I was even thinking when you were speaking of the breath, the depth of our breath can be controlled by how locked our rib cage is, which can relate to how much constriction is in us, which can come from our own thinking unbeknownst to ourselves. It can change in a moment. There's something I have got to tell you when you talk about our open heartedness. Many years ago, I was doing a gorgeous training with psychiatrist Ruth Doherty on energy and medicine. This teaching experience has stayed with me for my life and will do. We were, um, we were just working energetically with people. And we had a practice using crystals where you could see you know where the different energy centers were opened or closed, and then there was something where we'd work with our partner if they were if they were closed to open them so the energy could flow. And I was working with my beautiful partner, and when I had my pendulum my crystal over this woman's heart, it was showing closed, and I kind of didn't know what to do here. So I went over to Ruth and summoned her to come over to me, this experienced teacher. And she took my pendulum without moving it a millimeter and held it. And immediately it spun wide open. She handed it, you know, gestured for me to go back and hold it again. And it registered closed. She whispered into my ear, open your own heart. Open your own heart, Trish. And I realized I was in my head trying to do it right. And I was so busy thinking about what I was supposed to do that my fear of getting it wrong had closed my heart. And in that moment, I just softened and immediately the pendulum swung differently. Whether people believe in pendulums or not, it doesn't matter. It was just an experience. When you describe walking down the streets in Galway and how you can put out that wish or blessing to someone who's unknown, I have to tell you there's been many, many hours I've been with those I dearly love. Knowing that whatever's been going on, I can't reach them with my words. Whatever is going on for them, and I can, it's happened when I might be traveling in the car with one other, and I know that words won't reach the place, but I have sat behind the driver's wheel, and just kept that beautiful practice of Tonka, where I am sitting in the car, and say, may I be safe. I be well, may I know the ease of well-being, may I be happy, may I be at peace, and then settle with those words for some moments, and then turn my heart towards whoever my companion is, who I can feel is suffering, and just say, may you be safe, may you be well, May you be happy. May you know the peace of well-being. May you have peace. And have those words circle like a mantra sending blessing. May you be safe and well. May you be happy. May you live with kindness and ease. May you know the ease of well-being. May you have peace. And holding that space without an agenda for whatever the experience is to be different. And yet somehow the whole space changes because the hearts and minds become different.
0: Mm. it's that real power isn't it of just sending love of sending meta out to people without expecting oh now that I've sent you a good wish you better just cap on and, and be nice <laughs> to me or you know change would you not whereas actually to really send meta and love it's to send it without any wish that the person be any way different because often we're loving people aren't we because they're fitting into a way that we want them to be.
1: I love as you in you behave. conditional,
0: conditional yeah, love. A condition: if you're like this, then I love you. If you're like that, then I love you. But as soon as you're you're not behaving in these ways, I'm going to withdraw my love. I'm going to close my heart down. Michael Singer, in that wonderful book, The Untethered Soul, just he says, always keep your heart open. Keep your heart open, no matter what is coming at you. And it's so hard sometimes. When somebody that you love, a sibling, a parent, a partner, a child does something and you're like, the immediate feeling is to close the heart to protect the self. But when we can stay open and still in their rage, in their depression, in their frustration, love them no matter what. Love them because they need it now more than ever. Love them because that is the ultimate medicine. It's the ultimate healing.
1: And we come back to that 90%. <clears throat> if my heart has snapshot like that oyster shell. Boom, quicker than I've registered. It wasn't like it was a decision. Something that has helped me day in, day out, if I'm truthful. When I feel my own vulnerability, which comes up in our interactions with those we love, as it does with ourselves when we've really been harsh with ourselves, something that has brought me into presence many times is really being aware of the back of my body, being aware of the strength of the spine, being aware almost like water flowing from the top of my head right down my back, my buttocks, down the back of my legs, into my feet almost like that helps me to be present rather than that withdrawing kind of like withdrawing is the energy is going away. Whereas when the back is steady, like a tree trunk, it's not wobbling as much. And so having as a, as a gorgeous friend of mine does with her inquiry, you know, 60 to 80% sensing into your own body as someone speaks. The other part, really attending with listening. It gives us a very good feel of how we are in a dialogue and in an exchange. Our world invites us to be very mental and quick and rational. But when we stay really in our body, we have access to our intuition. We have access to our wisdom. We have access to the read out of our own emotions, which all they are is the energy of the exchange of what's going on. We sense before we, you know, we feel something before we can articulate it. We even look at your little tiny girls growing, how much their presence has been in your worlds. Before any words came out, you can tune into them and feel them and get a sense of what's been communicated. That's with us for life if we don't lose contact with it because we just get lost in our language. It's interesting
0: you bring that up because there's there's a study that it's around cards and you're playing cards and there're red cards and there's blue cards and you don't know the you don't know the rules until you start to play the game, and what it finds is it, it puts these conductors on your skin to see does your body pick up does your body figure out the rules quicker than your head and actually it does your body figures it out about ten cards into the game and your head takes about thirty or forty, like so it takes your brain so much longer to process information and yet we're rewarded so much to stay in our heads and for a lot of people they can't feel their bodies they can't feel the sensations in the toes or their backs of their legs or their ankles or sometimes even into their chest unless they're really loud and so the more we can actually get out of our heads and into our bodies we get access to this huge antennae that's picking up information all of the time, that then we can be so much more open to, receptive to. And as you say, like what we're doing right now, this conversation is a meditation. We we'll stay in our bodies, hear what each other are saying, and then trust what what emerges, trust what comes up. And isn't there something wonderful in that in not having an agenda? in not saying, oh wait, 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 I want to say this now, Trishno. And then this is the this is my example. Like mm-hmm. I know as I know when I was younger, definitely I fell into the trap of let it be a little bit comparing, oh when, oh that happened to you. Oh, something like that happened to me too. Or you know, not really listening, like hearing some of it and then launching into my own story. Or hearing the story, but already thinking about what I was going to say next, instead of really staying present to what somebody is saying, and then just being open to whatever possibility might emerge. It's, mm. it's, there's a lot less pressure in that place as well, to just hear with your heart, with your body, what somebody is saying, and then trust and allow words to flow, as opposed to feeling like you need to get the right answer, as if it's some kind of test, or you need to better the person with a better example or story to just really listen. We mm. we don't really have that art of listening. And I really worry for our young people where they they don't necessarily even get the opportunity to engage in as many conversations. They're so busy on their phones. Let's mm. be honest, there's a lot of us busy on our phones, scrolling through
1: social whatever. I'm going to come back to what you're saying about, you know, getting out of our heads and into the body. I remember somebody describing who they were like a head on a stick. You know, they were so disconnected from their body. And a little bit like our shadow gets a lot of rap and negativity and we disown it. I don't want to disown my head. And I want to maybe just shine a light for a minute on the wonderful world of information that's coming around the gut-brain connection and the heart, math studies, and the connection between the heart and the brain. And just want to put out that there are so many receptors in our gut. So gut feeling, intuition, gutsy person, all these words we use around the gut. And actually, our gut feeds our brain, but sometimes we chop it off at our throat because we don't dare to speak our truth. We don't think I could say this because, oh, they mightn't like me or it wouldn't be okay. So we often register what the gut's saying and dismiss it. A little bit like, you know, there are all these clever studies that show something is put in a screen that you don't expect to see and you don't recognize it. We have a sensory mechanism going on there. Also, the, the, the heart map study showing that there is more information going from our heart to our brain than the other way around. Isn't that incredible? Mm, it's amazing. And so when we talk about coming into the body, let's inhabit the whole body. Let's not make the brain wrong because it's been so focused on with all our thinking and intellectualizing. But come into this whole form as a whole entity. And something that I find so delicious, you know, you talked about me working with clay. When I am immersed in something like that, it might be music, making music for somebody else, it might be writing or journaling. But when I'm immersed in that part of my being, all of me is involved. My fingers and the body and creativity and it might be running when you're in your flow. So it's like, let's let's put out the invitation to make all of it welcome. All of it welcome. Kind to our whole body being. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe maybe I'll take us into a practice on that. And yeah. So inviting you if it's safe to do so, to lie down, to lie down and to close your eyes and to receive these words. So closing the eyes, connecting with the body as it lies against the floor or the bed, sensing into this body In this space, now. Bringing the attention to the breath. As it comes in. And as it goes out. Anchoring yourself to this moment. with kindness and inviting you to take one or two deeper breaths And now I would love for you to connect with a part of the body that you find there's some kind of satisfaction or it's easy to like. Just hold it in your awareness. Sense into that part of the body and, and offer a wish. Connect with a wish that that resonates maybe it's something like may you be healthy may you be relaxed or may you be strong may you be soft the content doesn't even need to be realistic it can be an expression of kindness towards this part of the body. You can also direct this wish to other parts of the body that you have a good relationship with. now inviting you to connect with a part of the body that feels more neutral to you. Maybe this is because it's harder to feel or you find it difficult to see. It could be your back or backs of your knees, some part that maybe you're not so aware of. Maybe it doesn't often feel pain or pleasure but also inviting a kind wish. Something like maybe, may you be accepted and belong. May you be accepted and belong. You can send this wish to other parts of the body that you have a neutral relationship with. And next, inviting you to bring into your awareness a part of the body you find more difficult to deal with. Maybe because you view it as ugly, or it's been painful or vulnerable. Maybe it has let you down in the past, or maybe now it's letting you down and not functioning as well as you would like. Send a kind and compassionate wish to this less loved part of the body as best you can. May you be healthy. May you be accepted and loved. Or whatever wish arises for you. sending them on the rhythm of the breath or independent of the breath. You can also direct these compassionate wishes to other parts that you have a difficult relationship with. And then, when you're ready, connect with the entire body. Feeling the energy through the entire body. Sending it some love. This wonderful, amazing body. Incredible, precious body. Take your compassionate wishes for your body with you into your day. Thank you so much. We so hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to get in touch with me, Sue Redmond, you can catch me on sueredmond.com or email me at info at I'm also on
1: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PhD. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me on mindfulnesstrish at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.